Ladies and gentlemen, you are now listening to the Raw Perspective podcast. Hello and welcome episode six of the Raw Per Podcast, aka the Raw Perspective Podcast, the show where we give you a raw, authentic, and unfiltered take on the latest in entertainment, politics, and more. Thank you for joining us. I am your host, Lex, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, DJ. Hey, how's it going? Not too bad. How you doing? Not too bad. Doing pretty well. Really busy week. Yeah, you gotta stay busy during the uh, pandemic, man. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Too busy. All right, so um, let's get the show started. Start with the uh, raw take of the week, and I'll go first this week because this really, really pisses me off. <laughs> so for my raw take, we're going to start off with uh, politics and talk about those that celebrate the president contracting COVID-19. Specifically, I want to put CNN on the hot seat Yeah, because um, everything that he said or done, anything that the uh, White House releases, they've been nitpicking. Nothing's ever enough. Remember when the president said, don't be afraid of COVID-19? Yeah. They destroyed him for that. If you guys been listening to this podcast before, you do know that I'm not a Trump supporter, but I cannot. I, I, I really hate the fact that people are wishing death upon somebody, regardless of how you feel about them. Yeah. And you shouldn't be happy. Like having COVID-19, you know, it's killed over 200,000 people in this country. Yeah. And many more around the world. That shouldn't, you shouldn't be celebrating that. No, just to celebrate any demise of anybody is, that's just, it's wrong. It's immoral. Um, whether you like the person or not, you shouldn't be wishing ill will upon anybody. Exactly. Because if that happened to you, you'd want sympathy. You want people to pray for you or, yeah, you know, you, if it's somebody in your family too, you wouldn't want that to happen to them. So why just because you disagree with somebody politically, you should have that respect for them and hope that they get better. You shouldn't be celebrating it. Yeah, exactly. Unfortunately, I think we're at a point in our country uh, where the attitude is, is if you don't support their ideas, then they they don't belong. And I think that's a, a lot of people think that way more than what should be normal. Yeah, I think in this country, nothing is more this divisive than politics. Yeah, politics. Um, I don't even think religion comes close to being that divisive. And not, I don't think anything comes even close because people will, you know, you'll have a conversation with somebody. They'll tell you their deepest secrets, like all kinds of, all kinds of things. Yeah. But when it comes to politics, they get real angry. Yep. Oh, now we can't be friends. Yeah. <laughs> just because you, you like the ideas of somebody else over the other person. It's just, I think it's ridiculous. Yeah. That makes, that makes no sense to me, man. Like that's something very, very strange. Yeah. It kind of brings to light a degradation of morals among people. Like you can see the morals among most are starting to degrade. And for the reason, I don't know why it would be. It doesn't make any sense on why the morals of everybody would be going down. Yeah. Seems like the, the further advance of technology and everything else, we should be going up, but we're not. Absolutely. I'm someone that like to pick people's brains. Mm hmm. So that's why it's so hard for me to understand, because if you're somebody who share the same views as, as I do, it'd be hard for me to get along with you. Yeah. But if you're somebody who opposes a lot of my views and have a different perspective on uh, various topics, I I don't know, that attracts me. Yeah. And I, I want to talk to you and yep. find out more. And, you know, I'm not going to agree on everything you say. Yeah, you don't have to. But... It's very inter interesting to me. Yep. I get to see different points of views. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So with the president saying that we shouldn't be afraid of COVID-19, I don't find that different from former presidents in the past, you know, like during World War II, when yeah. Pearl Harbor happened, if the president said, don't be afraid of the Japanese. What's the difference? There's not. As a president, your job is... I know it could be argued that Trump hasn't been doing it, but you got to lift the spirits of the people. Yeah. You know, that's part of leadership. Like leadership 101 is taking care of your people. Exactly. So how would it sound if he came out and said, be afraid of COVID-19? Yeah, that'd be it would entice mass panic even more than now. So it just would be bad all around. So he's doing what he's supposed to be doing by saying, don't be afraid. Yeah, exactly. Like, I didn't see nothing wrong with it. But if you watch CNN, you know, during this whole period when he um, had COVID-19, 
just all day, every day. Oh, he shouldn't be saying that. He shouldn't be saying that yeah. COVID-19 had, has killed 200,000 people. You're insinuating that he, sh- he should be saying that people should fear COVID-19. And I think that's not a good route. No. Especially as the leader of the country. You can't, you can't be saying that. I think what would help his case instead of just saying, don't be afraid, and then just leaving it at that, say, don't be afraid. However, we need to take precautions so we can actually stop this on its tracks. Yeah. Or him saying, let's take COVID-19 seriously. Yeah. Because a lot of his actions, some could argue, proves otherwise that. Yeah. You can take that with anybody. Yeah. Even exactly, our own exactly. personal actions. You can take it where COVID doesn't seem like it's as serious. But I think it just depends on where you're at and what's going on. If you're around a bunch of new people that you don't know, wearing a mask is probably a smart idea. But if you're around people that you know, that you're around on a daily basis, and you guys are the only people that you see wearing a mask or not wearing a mask, probably isn't going to be that big of a deal. It's not yeah. going to really change anything. I think the big problem is with the uh, media, because yeah. you can clearly see the divide based on which where you get your uh, news from. You yeah. know, If you're CNN, they hate Republicans. It's yeah. clear. If you're a Fox News type of person, they hate Democrats. I don't know. Fox News for the debate. <laughs> they, they seem to be helping Biden out pretty well. So I don't oh, know. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't watched them um, since the uh, debate. I don't know. I always see, they always seem to uh, favor Republican presidents. Yeah, they do. So that's why I say that. So with that said, these news platforms always seem to insinuate that they bring you the facts that. It's not a matter of opinion. Yeah. But they're on one side of the aisle. Yeah, it is. And I don't think it's any different than what you and I are doing right here with this podcast. So we've got a lot of stuff that's based on facts, but we're able to interject our own perspective, our own our own opinions on yeah. these subjects. I think the news media does that more now than they did in the past. Probably just over the last 25 years, they've really started doing it. So they've gotten more away from the facts and more into embellished facts or uh, facts with baggage. And yeah, they skew data yeah. a lot. Like they get when they find the data, they use the parts of it that will push their agenda. Yep. As opposed to viewing the whole picture, or it's more along. Uh, I think it's more entertainment than it is news now. Yeah, because local news, they just provide you with the facts. Local news, I don't think anybody anybody is allowed to have an opinion on whichever way. I just no. realized local news, they just report on what happened. Yeah, and they don't give you yeah, they don't take one side or the other. No, very rarely. Yeah, but national news, they they really do. And you'll have like you'll you'll see after debates, they'll have like twenty people on a panel. Oh yeah. Asking everybody for their opinion. Yeah, tons. I I look at the the national news as it's just another entertainment TV show. Yeah, basically. Pretty much. All right, man. So what you got for your raw take? Raw take uh, over the debates. Uh, so I know there was a whole bunch of controversy over Trump and Biden debate. It looked like somebody told me it looked like two geriatric people in an old folks home fighting over who's putting who's. <laughs> and that's kind of how I think most Americans felt. Uh, they were asked a bunch of questions. Nobody really answered any of the questions. Everybody danced around the questions. Yeah, they danced around the questions. Um, there was just a lot of yelling and bickering back and forth. Okay, so so let's. I know we had two debates. Yeah. So let's talk about the first one and, first then, one and then the second one. Trump and Biden. Yeah, it was just two guys just trying to talk over each other and not really answer the questions and point blame. And I think I know me personally. I'm I'm kind of over that. I want I want them to be able to answer the questions so we actually have some something to go off of. Mm-hmm. And I think most Americans feel that way, whether you like Trump or whether you like Biden. I think everybody really wants to know the answers to some of these questions because there's really good questions. They just danced around and argued and point and blame at each other and try to bring family into it and like just all kinds of extra crap that didn't need to be in there. Yeah, as far as who won the debate, to be honest with you, I don't think any of them won. I do, however, think Biden was more presidential because he didn't act as much as a fool as Trump did. Yeah. I think they both acted like fools, really. Okay. And as far as who would win, I think it favored Trump because everybody I've talked to says they're going to vote for Trump. They said they're still going to vote for Trump. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of people after that debate asking if they're still going to vote for Biden. They're like, I don't know. I might vote for Trump after the debate. So whatever happened, even though I thought it was kind of 
just BS and arguments. Something happened in there that swayed some people's minds from Biden to Trump. I think Trump, the the main thing people don't realize is uh, his base is very, very strong. They're not going to show up in all the polls because you've no. seen a bunch of different outlets. Um, they have different polls and they're showing that, hey, Biden's leading by 10, 15 points. Yeah. They, they're not going to show up in those polls. Yeah. You know, as you saw what happened with Hillary Clinton back in 2016. Yeah, it just didn't show up. She was leading the whole way yep. in the polls. But that's one thing people don't realize. And so Biden's doing the same. He's leading the whole way. But you never really know until election day. Yeah, you really don't. So if if I have to give it to somebody, I would say Trump won because what he did serves perfectly to his base. Yeah. That's why they voted for him in the first yeah. place, because he's not a politician. No, he's not. He's a businessman. Yeah, absolutely. You can say that he was very entertaining because yeah, that, you couldn't stop watching. Yeah, I watched that whole debate. The vice president debate, I turned off about halfway through. It, it wasn't, they were doing the same thing, just dancing around questions. Point and blame was just a lot calmer, a lot calmer. Yeah, the vice presidential debate, it gave me hope because I was confident in the vice president. Yeah. As in, if something happened to the president or if Joe Biden becomes president, I'd be comfortable with Kamala and um and uh, Mike Pence taking over. Yeah, because I don't know that I I was comfortable with them. Yeah, they were they were both a lot more presidential than the presidential candidates were for sure. Yeah, definitely. So uh, I think Kamala won uh, that debate. Yeah, I don't I don't know because they yeah, they both dance around the both, questions, but, but they from answered, what I saw, I I would say she won it. I think they answered more questions than Biden and Trump did. For Definitely. Sure. They still dance around stuff. A lot of people like Kamala Harris. So I think just because of who she is, people liked her more than Pence. But I think they both carry themselves a heck of a lot better than Trump and Biden did. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they were seemed a lot more respectful. They did talk over each other a little bit, but it, it wasn't was, as bad as the first no, debate. It was. And some of the, the points where they were talking over each other, like I could understand where they were coming from, why mm-hmm. they would talk over each other just to get that last little bit of information that was key for whatever they're trying to get their point across. Um, but they both seemed fairly respectful for each other, especially for being competitive, as competitive as they are. And there, people were, there were, there were a lot of backlash towards the uh, moderators. Yeah. I don't think it was warranted because as a moderator, Really, what what can you do? Nothing. You know, like you got the president of the United States on the stage. You're going to tell him to shut up? Well, you could try. <laughs> but it, yeah, like, really, what what can you do? Yeah, there's there, there's very little that they can do. I know uh, Wallace got a whole bunch of backlash. You can see all the memes floating around everywhere on the Internet. Yeah. It seemed like he was helping Biden more. Then you look at all the other stuff that Trump puts out. He's like, all right, two against one. Now it's a fair fight. Like <laughs> it, it, it works no matter what they do for Trump. You can spin it and make it work for him because he or whoever is running the social media knows how to really play people. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys, uh, let's move on. Uh, TV and entertainment that uh, we're about to go raw. So our first going raw topic, the Coming to America sequel is skipping theaters and will be released in December on Amazon Prime Video. What do you think about that? I think we should have more movies released directly to these platforms. I think it's a great idea. I think the the people, the I think the reason that people are hesitant is because of pirating. Yeah. So the Mulan film was released on Disney Plus and it was, uh, I think, $30. Yep. To watch it. I know I'm more comfortable with that because the theater industry is going down and I don't think it's ever coming back up. Not like it was before. Yeah. There's a lot of people that are still pushing back films, hoping that maybe next year everything's going to come back to normal. But I don't think there's ever going to be a normal. Uh, Definitely. I don't think in the movie industry. I think what we're seeing now is um, you remember Napster? Yeah. Way back in the day. So Napster ran for like a couple of years. It was the, the free music stuff pretty much destroyed the physical sale of music and brought into the digital age that we have now. So that's why we've got 
And they got Google, Spotify, like that's our new normal. Everything's all digital, especially for music. Uh, I think what we're seeing now because of COVID, it just kind of sped up that process that was already going to happen where the movie industry is going to be going away from that physical sale of movies and the movie theater industry is going to be like Blockbuster was. Going to the movies, though, a lot of people enjoy it because it's an experience. Yeah. Nobody have a 50 foot widescreen and top of the line sound systems no. at their homes. So it's really an experience. Me personally, I'm a homebody. I really enjoy just being at home and watching a movie on my own time. Yep. And, you know, I can pause it and get yeah. food and whatever I want. I enjoy that a lot more as opposed to going to. So to me, that direction that they're going in, which is streaming it, it's a lot better. Yeah. And for, for my family too, like we stream pretty much everything. We don't even have cable TV. We just stream everything. So for us, and I know a bunch of other people who are like us, that works the best for us. Even go to a movie theater for five people. It's usually like a hundred, 125 bucks by the time we get movie tickets, popcorn and drinks. Wow. That's that's, it. that's insane. And that's what's sneaking in your own candy. So <laughs> uh, until the movie theater makes that like a real unique experience, because we can watch a movie at home, have our own popcorn. We can even order pizza, buy two movies, and it'd still be cheaper than 120 bucks at the movie theater. Yeah, definitely. So until the movie theaters make it like a, a truly unique experience that you can't come close to at home, I don't think they they're ever going to be to what they were before. Yeah. For somebody with a large family, you definitely save a lot more money. Oh, yeah. You know, but if it's just you by yourself going to the movies, you're going to end up paying more yep. because these films are not nine, ten bucks like they were. They are in the theaters. Yeah. They're thirty to forty dollars. Yeah. When they uh, get streamed. Yep. But um, what do you think about the Coming to America sequel, though? Is that something you'd be interested in watching? I'd watch it just because I like Eddie Murphy. Yeah, I'll definitely watch it because the first one is a classic. Yep. And it's probably one of the funniest movies I've ever seen. And Eddie Murphy, his role in that movie is not intended to be funny, though. No, that's the best part. Yeah. Yeah. It's just... Because he's uh, oblivious, you know, as somebody yep. that's coming from another country to America. That's what makes it so great. It's like a, a candid type of funny. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I haven't read the plot for this new film, but I think maybe he's going to have a son by that time. Because it's, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's been a while. Maybe his son is who's, is who's coming to America. And he's yep. playing Eddie Murphy. He's going to be like the father figure that comes to get him kind of like in the original film. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be something very interesting to watch. I'm, I'm definitely waiting for that and I will buy it when it comes out. Yep. All right. Moving on. The war love and thunder is set to start filming on January, 2021. The uh, previous director of uh, Thor Ragnarok, uh, I think his name is Taika Watiti. Mm -hmm. uh, he'll be coming back to direct the uh, new film. Nice. Okay. And, um, there's not a lot of details coming out about the plot, but we do know that Natalie Portman, she'll be uh, coming back and she'll be She-Thor. Um, she'll be in it and Christian Bale's on the list. Ooh. You know what uh, character he'll be playing? Uh, there's a bunch of speculation. There's seen stuff from Adam Warlock. Uh, that's, a, that's a villain, right? Yeah. So it sounds like he's probably going to be playing a more villainous role, which which will be interesting. It'll be weird seeing Batman play a villain in Thor though. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about Natalie Portman playing she Thor because we haven't seen her since the first film. Yeah. And Thor insinuated that he broke up with her in the subsequent films. So I'm real curious to find out how they're going to tie it all together and how she gets the powers and how it, it plays out, how, it even came about because, you know, of course she was, she Thor in the comics. Yeah. That is a real thing. So it'd be very interesting to see what the script is like. Knowing that it's going to be the director from the first Thor and, and the way Marvel's. No, it's the director from the uh, third oh, the Thor. Third Thor. Yeah. Uh, Ragnarok, right? Yeah. Yeah. I bet it'll be pretty good uh, as long as it yeah, was the, the second Thor. I, yeah. I think the uh, third one was the best one. It was the funniest. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's, I don't 
that's that's the crazy thing. I don't remember the first two being funny. No, the f- the first one was more of like an introduction to Thor. This is who Thor is. Yeah, but the second one was just had no humor in it. Yeah, maybe even here and there, but I don't think not like Ragnarok. Yeah, Ragnarok is very very silly. Yeah, and the second one that's the one that nobody wants to even talk about anyway. So oh yeah, I haven't even actually saw parts of the second one and turned it off. Yeah, every time I've tried to watch the second one, I end up taking a nap instead. Yeah, so I just was, fall asleep through it. It's probably the reason why they switched directors. Uh, yeah, I could imagine. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure, you know, the second one still made a lot of money because it's Marvel. Yep. Let's, let's be real. And, um, but they weren't satisfied with, um, what was happening. So yeah. that's probably why they switched directors. So I like this director and, uh, hopefully this new Thor film will be, uh, as funny as his last film. Yeah. I just hope it doesn't get pushed back like a bunch of these other movies that are, that were supposed to come out this year that yeah. haven't. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about Disney a little later. Yeah. But um, next up, uh, Disney hasn't officially announced a firm release date, but Hocus Pocus 2 is expected to be released exclusively on Disney Plus in 2021. You're looking forward to that? I don't know. It could be really, really good or it could be really, really bad. Yeah, I feel the same way for me. It's a uh, bittersweet. Yeah. Because I hate when they try to redo classics. Like Ghostbusters? Oh, don't get me started with yeah. that one. <laughs> yeah, because people have very high expectations. Yep. Kind of like, you know, we just talked about coming to America. Yeah. I have very high expectations, but if they execute the plot, like the plot I uh, I suggested about him, his son coming to America, and then he yep. has to come and get him. Yeah, if, if that's the plot, that'd be very interesting. But if it's something similar to what the original was, nothing original. Yeah, it'd just be another Mulan. Oh, yeah. So definitely be another Mulan. Yeah, I think because of the cult following that's with Hocus Pocus, um, and because it's such a staple around Halloween, like it's something that I know uh, my kids have seen several times. My wife and I have seen several times. A lot of other people I know that they, they watch it every Halloween. Yeah. If Disney can pull it off and make it really, really good, it's going to be one of those things that carries on for another. 20 or 30 years for an entire new generation. Yeah, absolutely. And another thing too, the original Hocus Pocus has stood the test of time. Yeah. When did it come out in the 80s? 93, I think. Oh, in the 90s? Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's it's been a long time. Yep. 27 years, possibly. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. And it still looks great. Great storyline, great acting. It's probably the the best halloween movie of all time top five yeah yeah because i i mean i can't think of uh you can think of um horror films like uh nightmare on elm street yeah and stuff like that but nightmare before christmas that's another cult following one too mm-hmm. so i'd say it's right up there hocus pocus nightmare before christmas probably like the number both of those people watch year round or every year for halloween yeah but it, i don't know man maybe Maybe because I'm just such a big fan, but Hocus Pocus just gives me a different feeling. Yeah. As opposed to watching those other movies. Yep. You know, they also, they, they also got, um, Freddy. Yeah. It's Jason. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just those, I don't consider them Halloween films. I consider them horror films. Yeah. And it's a different feeling. Yeah. So yeah. that's why I get a different feeling. It doesn't really have anything to do with Halloween besides no, it, just, it being, you know, horrific. That's yeah, that's about it. Yeah, so I don't know. I'll be looking forward to that. All right, so uh, next up, uh, AMC theaters could run out of money by the end of the year due to a lack of moviegoers because of the pandemic, of course, and the fact that movies have delayed their release dates. Yeah, but like we talked about earlier, theater industry is going down the drain. Yeah, and AMC theaters is the biggest theater out there. Yeah, I think it, it is the biggest one, isn't it? Yeah. So with them going under, then you got to figure Carmike and all the other ones are probably right behind them. Yeah, I think the only ones that will survive are the mom and pop places. Yeah. The ones that are not national. So they, they'll probably survive. Yeah. Um, Because they could just take a loan and wait it out. Pretty much. Uh, something I didn't think about is this could also be bringing drive-through or drive-ins back. Oh, yeah. I know 
for my kids love drive-ins, but there's only one within like a 40 mile radius around here. Yeah. I've only been to one drive-in and I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah. It's, it's a, to see a movie outside in your car on a, a really big screen, like that's a cool experience. I think that's the experience that people want again. Yeah. So I think over the next couple of years, depending on how the movie industry does, I think we could probably see more drive-ins popping up. I remember the first time I went to the drive-in, I thought that, you know, there were speakers outside and when they yeah. played the movie and stuff like that. And then somebody that worked there told me, oh, you got to put in this, um, this channel on your radio frequency, yep. this frequency on your radio. And I was like, what? And then I did it. I was like, oh, snap, I'm hearing it yep. in my car. Yeah. So, yeah. So it was a great experience, man. Um, now I'm, lo- I'm looking forward to doing it again since, you know, theaters are going out of business and stuff. Yeah. And it could bounce back next year. So they pushed all the movies that were supposed to be out this year, most of them back. Some of them like coming to America too, just straight on the Amazon or. Yeah, they sold it to Amazon. Right? Yeah. $125 million. Wow. So, I mean, it's a good deal. Yeah, it is. It's a really good deal. Amazon's going to make that money back in no time. Absolutely. Yeah. Because, you know, the first one is still making money to this day. Yeah. So it's for some of the movies to do that makes perfect sense. Some of the stuff like Avatar or Top Gun, I can't see them going directly to a streaming service just because of their budget is. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's probably astronomical, probably more and more we're thinking even. But those films, though, excluding Top Gun, I would say Avatar, it has a cult following. So yeah. people, if they do put it out in theaters, people will still go and watch it. Yeah. Plus, a lot of these uh, film companies, they make most of their money back from um, DVD sales. Yeah, a lot of them do. So when it does get released on DVDs, all those people that never went to go watch it, they'll buy it. And so just, even those that have seen it in theaters, they'll probably still buy it too, just to add it to their collection. Yeah. Which I think some of those movies like that, and on the release dates, if we, if they can get those release dates down, it could give the movie theater industry a little bit of hope. Yeah. Maybe get past everything. So there's a lot of big movies coming out that world. We're supposed to come out this year that got pushed back next year. Yeah. So you got uh, Wonder Woman, Top Gun, Jurassic Park, Black Widow, Venom. Minions, Dune, Avatar, and Star Wars. That's some major titles. Yeah. You do one a month, that's that could bring the movie industry back pretty quick. Yeah, definitely. And as time goes by, also people are becoming less and less fearful of COVID 19. Yeah. I don't know if you noticed that. Yeah. Because in the beginning, of course, the media, all they, they keep talking about is people dying, people dying, people dying. Yep. But they never talk about those who survived it. No, you know, they haven't because so that that brought a lot of fear into people. And, you know, as people, once you get used to hearing something so many times, you it desensitizes you. Yeah. And since you're used to it, so you're less fearful of it. Yeah. And that's that's what we're going to see. So it'll swing back to normal. It's just yeah, it just depends on how long. Yeah. To add to that, uh, one thing I really, really dislike is. I don't know if you noticed, but it seems like people are going out of their way to show that they're social distancing and they're taking it very, very serious. Like it, I feel yep. like it's becoming more of a show just so yeah, the public could see, you know, it is. The reason I brought that up was because I was watching the uh, University of Miami and Clemson in uh, Clemson game mm-hmm. um, last weekend. And the commentator said that the team took. 20 buses as opposed to 12 because of social distancing reasons. Like, come on, man. So all these guys, you, you tell me all these guys, they got tested before the game. They're about to play a game where they're all going to be touching each other. Yeah. And you're afraid that they're going to catch it because they can't social distance on the original amount of buses that they had. Yeah. Why? If you're not around anybody and you're already cleared and test, you're going to be around all those same people that already have been tested. There's no, like, it doesn't make any sense. It's yeah, just, it doesn't at all. And that's, I think you should take precautions, but you should also take smart precautions and use and common educate, sense. Yeah, educated yeah. risk assessment of what's actually going on. Yeah, if everybody gets tested, 
and you're all about to be on, on the field together, yeah. touching each other, and you know, there's gonna be germs flying all over the place. Yeah. Like what's what's the point of social distancing on a bus? Yeah, we've we've already seen it with the NFL. A couple of teams got tested and some people had it. So they're like, well, we're gonna postpone or cancel the game. Yeah. And I think that's for them it's the right move. I think there's other things that they could do to mitigate the risk. Maybe just remove those players and not have them, but ultimately it's up to the NFL what they want to do. But to take twenty different buses when you can do it on twelve, like Yeah, it's it's little I think it's excessive. It's, yeah, it's excessive. All right, so let's move on to Ben or Bench. In the segment, we'll discuss new or upcoming TV and movie releases and determine whether we'll be throwing them in the bin, as in the trash, or binge watch them. First up, Hubby Halloween. It was just released on October 12th on uh, Netflix. It stars Adam Sandler. You going to be binging or uh, Ben? Probably binge. Or no, probably Ben. This was like Adam Sandler. Yeah. Netflix. I probably won't watch it. Uh, I know my. My kids watched it. My wife watched parts of it and said it wasn't even worth it. And then a lot of the stuff Adam Sandler's been releasing that's going straight to Netflix. I'm like, well, I think that was in a, a Netflix deal though. So he yeah. made it for Netflix. Yeah. So it wasn't just sent to Netflix. And Adam Sandler, a lot of his movies over the last few years have just kind of been. Yeah, I feel like he's regressing as an actor. Yeah. Maybe not regressing as in um, talent wise, but as in film choice. Film choice and it's the same same stuff we've seen with all the other Adam Sandler movies. Yeah, I don't think he has range. Yeah. It seems like he's the same character, just different circumstances in yep. each movie. Pretty much. Yeah, so I also be throwing that in the bin. Yeah. What I read. One of a one of the websites said it was for the review, it was just another like do gooder hometown man child. <laughs> so I was like, it sounds like most of Adam Sandler's movies. Okay, so now next up for this segment uh, is a new uh, Netflix documentary. It's called American Murder, The Family Next Door. It was recently released. Uh, so in this documentary, um, it gives firsthand footage and examines the disappearance of a wife and her children. Have you had a chance to see that? So I started watching it almost halfway through. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife was watching it. And going to the living room, she's got it on. I'm like, oh, great. It's another Hallmark type of mushy type of thing. Just because like it had the text bubbles popping up. And I started watching it and I was like, oh, crap. Like this is this is kind of creepy. So all the social media stuff, all the text messages, all the the house camera footage, like doorbell camera footage, the interview footage is all in that documentary. And it's it was worth watching i guess you could say but really heartbreaking all at the same time yeah absolutely i'm definitely gonna put that in the uh, binge category i did get a chance to see it and at first i want to say the production was very very well done yeah yeah the way they showed the uh, text messages and i don't want to spoil it for anybody who wants to watch it but just know that it was very well produced and um it's heartbreaking you know anytime there's a murders in a family and parents are the ones who are responsible for that. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's just so, so wrong. And children are involved. Yep. Man. Yeah. It's horrible, but uh, it was, it was very, very good. And I would highly recommend that people watch it. Yeah. It was almost guilty while watching it. Cause there's a lot of private conversations and yep. text messages and stuff. You're in, as you're watching, you're like, I don't know, like this kind of feels like I'm peering over somebody's shoulder reading a text message kind of feels weird. Yeah, it was really well put together. Yeah, I was very, very uh, pleased uh, with the uh, production. So lastly, American Pie Girls Rule is out on Netflix. Will you be binging or throwing it in bed? I'm going to throw it in the bed. I haven't watched American Pie since I was like 13. Yeah, I think I've only seen the first one. Yeah, I don't even know how many there are now. Oh, there's it's a lot. Yeah, remember one with the band camp. It's American Wedding. You haven't seen that one. Yeah, I haven't, like I said, I've only seen one. And that's when I was a kid. So to me, since it was like R-rated, basically. Yeah. To me, you know, I, I found enjoyment in that. Like, you know, when you're, as a kid, when you're watching something that yep. you're not supposed to be watching, so that excites you. Yeah, that's. Yeah. Now it's just, uh, I don't know, just like goofy uh, kind of 
dumb teen situational kind of comedy. I'm just not into it. Yeah, I'm not either. But I did see something kind of different on Netflix. So just What's scrolling that? through. Um, My Octopus Teacher. So yeah, I haven't seen that. It's I was like, okay, it's got an octopus on it. Uh, I'll just throw it on as a background stuff. So doing doing my thing, watching this. Um, but it's this dude, kind of a self documentary. Mm-hmm. Uh, he used to be a filmmaker, went like all over around the world. Basically, got burnout on filmmaking. Moved down to I believe it was somewhere in the coast of South Africa, where these like these underwater jungles and kelp and stuff are found joy in swimming and trying to just get out and just be in nature and basically finds this aquas. And then he starts filming everything. And it's kind of, it's the interaction between him and this octopus for most of the documentary, like the whole nature stuff, but it was really, really, really well put together. So you kind of get to see how like an animal interacts with a human and like kind of lets a human into their world. Mm-hmm. So it was different. Something I haven't seen before. Yeah. I'll definitely try to, Check that out. It seems uh, pretty interesting. It was different. Okay, so let's move on to Life is Raw. In this segment, we'll pick a classic movie in history that has an important life lesson and discuss how those lessons can be applied in everyday life. So for this week, uh, we chose John Q. For those who haven't seen it, uh, John Q is a story that centers around a man whose nine-year-old son is in desperate need of a uh, life-saving transplant. But when the father finds out that his medical insurance would not cover it, he takes actions into his own hands and holds a hospital hostage. So what are some of the lessons and John Q that uh, you saw that we can apply in everyday life? The family is everything. Yeah. So you can see in that, that when you really do love someone like John Q loved his son so much that he was willing to do anything, even if it was fake in the movie, mm-hmm. like he was willing to go over the top to make sure that his son was able to live. Yeah, but that poses a serious question, though. Is it right to do something illegal or something that you believe is right? Well, that goes to your morals, really. Yeah, like so, morally. Because, okay, let's think about this, right? Say my wife is pregnant. Mm-hmm. And instead of calling 911 and have them bring an ambulance, I'm rushing her myself to the hospital in my car. Mm-hmm. And I'm breaking every law. You know, I'm not stopping for stop signs, stop lights, anything, trying to get her to the hospital to deliver the baby. Am I wrong? I don't think so. Because uh, in that that case, it would be a medical emergency. So it, it really just depends on the situation. Yeah, you're wrong. You're breaking the law. Um, but then I believe most judges would be like, well, there was something other pressing going on. Yeah. So they would show leniency in that that kind of situation. And I believe most cops, if you're Russian and they pulled you over, hey, my wife is pregnant, baby's coming right now, they would be like, all right, well, let's get you an escort and take you to the hospital. Yeah, they're going to pull me over when I get there. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's, it's going to be like 10 police cars after me yep. by the time I get there. I think it depends on the situation. I guess you could say another one is like if you if your family is starving and you've been to food banks, there's no food at food banks, would it be okay to steal food from a supermarket? And you have no other means to get food. Like you don't have no weapons to go hunting. You can't gather stuff. Would it be okay to steal food? That's what people don't realize. The majority of crime that happens around the world is based on poverty and necessity. Yeah. Like you're saying, people stealing food at supermarkets or stealing clothes. Some places people really only have one outfit. Yep. And as a parent, no matter what it takes, you want to make sure you take care of your family. You want to make sure your family, especially your children, yeah, they live past you. The worst thing as a parent is to have to bury your own kids. Yeah, that'd be, I couldn't you imagine. Know, kind of like, that's exactly what uh, John Q said in the movie. You know, yeah. that scene when he, he was crying, he's like, no, you're supposed to bury me. Yeah. It's not supposed to be the other way around. Yep. And that was a very, very strong scene. Yeah. Because that's, that's what everybody wants. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I think um, I think that that movie is a good example of legality and morals yeah. and blurring those lines because not everything that's legal is moral and not everything that's moral is legal. There are they're always somewhat blurred. So it just depends on where your own personal morals lie on whether you'd be able to break the law. 
even though he held the hospital uh, emergency room hostage, yeah, still you can tell his morals or his values did not waver because he didn't have any bullets in the gun. No, it was. It's not like he was gonna kill. It's not like he completely changed and decided, hey, I'm gonna kill people if they don't give me what I want. Yeah, you know, he said he basically did what he basically did was use the weapon as a means of intimidating, yep. but he never had any intentions of actually killing. Yeah. And that's where those lines get yeah. blurred. Like, yeah, it was illegal to be able to have a gun in a hostage situation, but his morals kept him from keeping the gun loaded and actually doing anybody harm. Yeah, absolutely. If, if I remember right at the end of the movie, they went through a trial and all the hostages were there. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think, because it's been a while since I've seen it. And they basically spoke good about him. Yeah, absolutely. On the end the yeah, the hostages even helped him. Because I, I don't know if you remember at the end where they finally, he finally found a heart for his son. Yeah. And uh, he gave one of the hostages his jacket and they acted like they were him. Yep. And got arrested while, while John Q himself was in the uh, emergency room. Dressed while, doctor, while they were doing right? the, yeah. Yeah. While they were doing the uh, transplant on his son, and yep. he got to see that before the uh, detective actually arrested him. Yeah, and I think even the detective just watched yeah. and then waited till the end. Yeah, right? he told him to take his time. Yeah. yeah, he gave him the cuffs and told him to take his time. So yeah, I think for that movie, it's definitely a good a good one that shows the difference between what's moral, what's legal, and blurring those lines, and that moral and legal are always the same. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it was a very, very uh, good watch, and um, you can take a lot from that Yeah, and apply it to everyday life. All right, so let's move on to Raw or Flaw. First up, Jamie Foxx is confirmed to return as Electro in Spider-Man 3, which is the same character he played in Sony's version of The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Raw or Flaw? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I like Jamie Foxx a lot as an actor. Yeah, he's a great actor, but his... Worst role was probably Electro. Yeah, I did not like Electro. Because that was almost 10 years ago when that movie was made. Really? I think so. It's been that long already? I think so. So I'm trying to think of... So the CGI stuff wasn't all that... It was horrible. It wasn't good. It was horrible. So if they can tone down that awkwardness of Jamie Foxx's character before he fell into the, the eel pit. Yeah. I think the backstory too in that movie was, yeah, was, was not good at all. No, so yeah, it was just the the storyline leading up to yeah. developing the character was just kind of it looked like he just popped out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. It'll. I think Marvel can pull it pull it off right, but for them to use the same character that they had in Sony's kind of I don't know. Yeah, it should have started fresh with somebody else. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so I would say flaw move. Yeah. Next up, uh, The Walking Dead is filming season 11, <coughs> which should be released next year. What do you think about that? So I'm, I'm currently, I've only seen up to season eight, I think. So I'm currently re-watching all The Walking Dead. There's a whole bunch of stuff I forgot about um, currently in season five. And even up to now, I notice it's getting very, there's a lot of repetitiveness. And Too repetitive. So I, I got tired of it. If I remember right, even up to season eight, there was a bunch of repetitiveness. If they could get away from the repetitiveness and actually tie everything together, I think it would be really good. But for now, it feels like they're just dragging it out because people like watching it. Yeah. And they have a cult following. So, yeah, there is. Yeah, I was a member of that cult, but it just got too much for me, man. Like, I really, really got tired of the same thing over and over and over. Yeah. Like, there was nothing fresh. So I stopped watching it this uh, the season after uh, Negan first yeah. came. Okay. Yeah, and then um the season after that, I started two episodes in, and it was just the same thing. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I'm done. So they always find a a place with a bad guy. Mm-hmm. He's a really bad guy. They're all different, but really similar. And then like, they try to take over and become the leader of yeah. that group. So it makes you wonder, like. Are these bad guys really that bad or is Rick the bad guy in this whole thing? I think Rick is the bad guy. And that's, I, I think that's why people watch it so often. They're like, maybe Rick will do something different this time. Maybe it'll, 
maybe it'll change this time. Maybe it'll do something different. Nope. Nothing's changing. I'd definitely say flawed. They need to put it to rest, man. Yeah. But like, I also know for um just from reading stuff, Rick's gone. Oh yeah. In the last season. Oh. Carl is gone in the last season. Wow. So there's Who's the main characters now? I don't know. I haven't seen it. So wow. my understanding, there's a bunch of new characters. So the dynamics mm. are probably way different. They could probably keep it going for a while. Yeah, maybe. But they need to start changing storylines. Yeah. Just too much of the same old thing. All right. So um, there is a rumor that Tobey Maguire's version of Spider-Man will make an appearance in Spider-Man 3. That'd be a raw move or flawed move. Depends on which... Is it going to be the symbiote Spider-Man? Because that would be bad. <laughs> I want to see Tobey Maguire do some goofy dancing. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think I like Marvel. I like what they do. I think they could pull it off. However, there's already a multiverse with uh, the Miles Morales Spider-Man. And I think that one was done so well that bringing Tobey Maguire back into MCU would just be... I don't think they could pull it off the way that they did it with Miles Morales, Spider-Man or into the multiverse. Yeah, because if they bring Tobey Maguire in, they'd have to bring Miles Morales in, too. And Andrew Garfield. And it would just. Yeah. Nobody wants to see Andrew Garfield back with Spider-Man. So just be. I, I don't know. I don't know either. Because I do like Tobey Maguire. I think you know, he was a good Spider-Man. That was 20 years ago. I yeah. think he's. Might be too old for Spider-Man. Unless they do like the old washed up Spider-Man like they did in yeah, no, Miles, yeah, Miles Morales version. Yeah, I think it'd be something interesting, but if 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 it's if there's anybody I trust to do it, it'd probably be Marvel. Yeah, Marvel would be the only 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 people to do it. Sony would butcher it if they got a hold of it. Oh yeah. DC can't even do their own superhero movies. So yeah, like, I definitely say it's a it's a raw move if executed properly. Yeah, if they execute it properly, it'll It'll tie everything together for Spider-Man. I think it'll make more Spider-Man fans. So next up, uh, Gal Gadot, which is the uh, star of Wonder Woman. She will earn 33 times more money than she did in the original Wonder Woman, which uh, she only made 300,000. You said 33 times? Yeah, 33. She'll be making 33 times more money than she did in the original. Wow. Okay. So is that raw or flawed? Out of all the Marvel or out of all the DC movies, I think Wonder Woman was probably one of the better of them all. Probably, if not better, one of the best ones. So, and with her being Wonder Woman and that key component, pay whatever they need to pay to keep her consistent is something that DC needs to do anyway. Yeah, I would say it is flawed, not because that she's getting her money, but because she was unfairly paid the first time yeah the first time you know I mean? heck yeah because there's been especially recently there's been a lot of talk about pay quality with the uh, gender gap yeah and it's clear that took place there uh really three hundred thousand dollars for a blockbuster and you're the main character they didn't know if it was going to be a blockbuster then and she was an unknown actress i wouldn't say she was unknown she, she wasn't an A-lister. Of course not. But now she is. Superman, he wasn't an A-lister either. And I'm pretty sure he got paid a lot more than 300000 uh, We'd have to look it up. Who played? But, which one played Superman for this? I can't uh, remember his name, but I'm pretty sure he made way more than 300000 No. Nah, well, maybe. Is it the same guy that played The Witcher for this Superman? Yeah. But he'd already played. Yeah, but he wasn't. As popular as Gal was. Yeah, I don't know. Because I had never seen him until Superman. Uh, well, he was in, well, he was in the first Superman. Yeah, Superman Returns, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that launched him, probably. So I bet if you look back, I bet he didn't get paid very much for some of the, the very first Supermans either. Yeah, we'd have to look into it, but it, it doesn't make any sense to me, man, because you're... Wonder Woman is an iconic character and you're making a blockbuster film. I'm sure the budget was over a hundred million dollars and she's the main character. So there's no reason why, unless she got royalties, because, you know, depending on how contracts yeah, are set up, on how you, can get you know, where they give you a base salary and then say, hey, depending on how the film does, you'll get X multiplier. 
which that may be the case because I know there's several actors who took way less pay to get royalties because the royalties would be way better in the long run. Yeah, the um, the kid that voiced uh, Simba, yeah, took royalties. Yeah, they they offered him I think three million. Jonathan Taylor Thomas, and he rejected it and chose royalties instead, and it paid off. I'm yeah. pretty sure he made over twenty million off. Oh, of it. easily, yeah. You don't even see him as an actor anymore. No, yeah. pretty much did a singing. What was he in? Uh, he was in um, Smart Tom- Guy and the TV show with Tim Allen. Yeah, I haven't seen that. Uh, Tim Toolman Taylor. Yeah, but I remember him from from Smart Guy. He was TJ's brother. Yep. Hey, last up for today. Um, Disney plans on doing theatrical releases despite its new focus on streaming services. You think that's a good route for them? Doing both. I think so. I think they recognize the the need for the streaming and that the future is gearing towards streaming. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think by doing both, it's a good transitional period to go from one to the other and maximize profits. Yeah, I, I would say so too. However, like we talked about before, theaters are going away. Yeah. So if you're doing these big budget films, assuming that Everything is going to go back to normal and you'll be getting your money back from theaters. Then maybe that's not a good idea. But then they can also cut out the middleman. Mm-hmm. So now they can just take, produce their own stuff, release it. They don't have to worry about paying anybody else. It all goes right back to them. Yeah. So depending on what it is, it could cut out middlemen entirely, including the middleman of the theater. So they're, they could potentially maximize their profits a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Well, guys, that's our show today. We appreciate you guys for listening in. Um, please consider becoming a Patreon. Just go to patreon.com slash podcast, and we'll have a lot of exclusive content for you guys, uh, merchandise, and a lot more. So please consider being a Patreon. Make sure you follow us on uh, Facebook slash podcast. Also, our YouTube page, podcast. We're everywhere, guys. Thank you for your support. Anything you want to say? Yeah, thanks uh, for all your support. Um, Thanks for going along with us and uh, helping us grow. And we'll talk to you guys later. Peace.